ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad, and I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've got my Charlie Brown Thanksgiving DVR'd for tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. I'm doing one of the dances right now. Probably the worst Thanksgiving dinner ever served. Well, let's be fair. It's not like they had much to much time to plan. What was it like? Popcorn, <laughs> toast, and pretzels and jelly beans. Something like that. Yeah. I think that but has that, my favorite line of um, ever in a in a Charlie Brown special is why can't I behave right outside the bounds of a baseball game? <laughs> That's a remarkably self aware comment. <clears throat> All right, but. We want to say hey to everybody, and that we're going to be uh, <clears throat> going to be having us a good old episode tonight. We're going to talk some about Survivor Series. We're going to talk about some other stuff too. But the first thing we're going to do is we want to encourage you guys to all join us on our social media platforms. We'd love to he- <clears throat> love you have you post on our wall, DMs at us, whatever. Tweet us, you know what? What tag us? hashtag us something like that we love to hear from you so we'll just kind of go down the list and start with our facebook right brad yep you can uh find us on facebook it is four corners that is the number four corners as one word uh podcast give us a like comment you know the drill sure enough (laughs) and then we move on over to the um what's the best phrase i can use for it the uh turbulence that is Twitter. I think that's a good way of putting it, right, Matt? It's very turbulent. Um, the Twitter is we are at Podcast Four Corners. That is the capital P. That's the number four, Podcast Four Corners. And we would love to hear from you. And we would love for you to tweet at us, send us a DM, anything and everything. Talk about wrestling, talk about whatever you want to. We would love to hear from you. Podcast Four Corners. All right. And we are also on instagram uh since instagram does not let you put spaces anything it is the number four corners podcast we're on there i post new episodes on <coughs> i am uh, the the instagram's not as active as the twitter is but hey hit us up locations and also need to give a shout out here um we have we are pending our partnership with uh, Collar and Elbow. Collar and Elbow um, wrestling gear made by wrestlers and wrestling fans for wrestlers and wrestling fans. They drop new gear every three months. Uh, their stuff is on quality material. Uh, it's soft. It's comfy, <laughs> and um, they've got lots of new, uh, lots of uh, new designs coming out all the time. So, Collar and Elbow, <clears throat> run by good people. Give them a shout. And then our last shout-out. Our last shout-out. It's going gonna to go, gonna go to the victorious, one of the victors from Survivor Series. Right, Matt? Yeah, that would be Epico Cologne. Although, for some reason, the WWE is not acknowledging that SmackDown win. 
How is that? How can you not acknowledge the match that happened on the show on television? Did... <laughs> I don't know. They we'll don't, um, they don't know what they're doing. We'll get into that. But yes, Epico's uh, SmackDown team was victorious, even though uh, some people choose not to acknowledge it. We acknowledge it here on Podcast Four Corners on the Four Corners company. podcast. We do. Yeah, we're gonna oh, we're gonna get all into the booking of Survivor Series. But uh, can I, Shad? Can I actually uh, throw in something there? Absolutely. Since you're bringing up our collaboration with Collar and Elbow, uh, uh-huh. you know, by the time this episode posts, it will be right before Thanksgiving, and that means it's right before Black Friday. Everyone might want to go to uh, Collar and Elbow and purchase some Black Friday gifts for Ooh. your friends and family. I like it. I Those like would it. be absolutely fantastic stocking stuffers. You would not would. like that. They would. They actually have, uh, I just pulled their stuff up, Black Friday, 30% off the entire store. Ooh, and a free that's... free shirt with every order. Free shirt <laughs> with every order? That's what it says. They're just giving that away. <laughs> And literally, yeah, use the code Black Friday at checkout. And they've got a new collar and elbow, like circular logo shirt. It looks really good. So, um, <laughs> I personally so, yeah. want the collar and elbow flannel, but that's apparently currently out of stock. Oh, but there's plenty of other products. Sure. So, that sounds great. So, speaking of Thanksgiving, before <laughs> we get into the wrestling stuff, um, this is not something that happened on the air, but it kind of came up in a Facebook group we're a part of. So where do you guys fall on the best Thanksgiving side um, argument? Are you talking about the this image that was passed around on social media about regional yes. sides? Okay. Yes, I have thoughts. Oh, oh yeah. Well, okay. Here's the problem with that uh, that image. <clears throat> it's that in the... In that image, it's it has these different places for different parts of the country, but the answer is that it's not being, um, it's not taking. I'm, I'm be willing to bet a crisp five dollar bill right here right now that they're not compiling cheesy casserole as one option. It's got it. They're all broken up like potato casserole and sweet potato casserole and green bean casserole and macaroni casserole so- and whatever other kind of casserole. I'd be willing to bet that they're they've broken all those up. So did they just not take uh, mashed potatoes into like consideration as a side, or is that just considered like a staple of the meal? I'm gonna guess that's considered such a staple that they're not even considering it aside. Right, yeah. right. I I'm presuming. I would have to think so, but I mean, being from Ohio, I was thinking about this because I was gonna ask you guys. And mashed potatoes would be my first answer, but then I fell into my region. I said, well, rolls are obviously, like, the next most important thing. Other than gravy. Gravy is also important. Ooh, I am not a gravy fan. Oh, you gotta get it. You gotta gotta get gravy on the potatoes and on the turkey. It depends on the kind of gravy, I think. Oh, no, no. Turkey gravy. I'm anti-gravy. Anti-gravy. I'll be honest. I have with strong you. emotions my, about my it. my preferred gravy is that uh, that sausage gravy that goes with biscuits and gravy. Oh because yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, all right. So you throw me for a loop because I will tolerate <laughs> some sausage gravy. 
that's that's kind of delicious. But in the words of Jim Cornette, you get on some of that Bob Evans sausage gravy, and then in the words of Jim Gaffigan, you're eating liquid cement so you don't move afterwards. My problem, my problem with sausage gravy though, is those places that try and use like chicken gravy as a base, and it just tastes wrong. Yeah, you need sawmill gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, don't, I don't like the Cracker Barrel, barrel <laughs> gravy, though. It's a little weird. Uh, no kidding. Bob Evans sausage gravy. Your your arteries will harden a little bit, but, man, you'll love it. And you need, like, the nice, like, the, the, the sausage gravy on top of, like, some sausage patties and some hash browns and uh, with a couple eggs on top. That is the best. There's lots of ways to do it. Yes. Okay. So, mm, mm, Thanksgiving's coming, and and I'm gonna get even fatter than I am. <laughs> also, also to go with this, uh, what would, uh, what is your choice of pie, gentlemen? Oh man! So I feel most people would say pumpkin, and I do love pumpkin pie, but I actually am a huge fan of of a uh, pecan or pecan, however you regionally pronounce it. Yeah, that's the that's my favorite pie. Pe- pecan is an excellent choice. I'm gonna go a little off the reservation. Um, there's a local bakery that does a caramel apple nut pie that is amazing. If it's Thanksgiving, I gotta go with the classic on the pumpkin. Although, when either my mom or my wife busts out the pecan pie, whew, man, that's um. It's just not fair because then I have to have one of each. And as if I was already not immobile enough after Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, in my opinion, the best pecan recipe is literally just the recipe that's on the uh, Caro corn syrup bottle. That's the one that I go by, and it is delicious every time. I was gonna it, say- it's always good when you're working from a good base. I was going to say your best pumpkin pie, or at least around here, is the Frisius Big Boy pumpkin pie. Nothing else seems to compare to it. Mm-hmm. on it. I just had dinner, and you guys were making me hungry again. <laughs> All right. So. <clears throat> well, we never answered the question, did we? We didn't. I said rolls. Oh, no. I So I actually abide by that map in the sense that my family is from the South. So I absolutely say that uh, mac and cheese is a perfectly acceptable side for Thanksgiving, and it should be included. I will say it is a perfectly acceptable side. It is not the prime side. Ooh. Cheesy potato casserole is Mm. the bomb to use 20-year-old lingo. What what is in cheesy potato casserole? Is that just not like potatoes au gratin or – what are you doing with these French words in our cast? <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? No. I don't know. No. One of them comes from the casserole dish, man. <laughs> you need you some culture and some Jesus. If I was really cultured, I, I would pronounce it correctly, I think, which is like potatoes au gratin. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very bad at French. Okay, get out. You're done. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, gentlemen? What are your thoughts on green bean casserole? Disgusting. I don't like green beans. I hate it. My wife I'm loves down. it. I'm down. Oh, with my, it. my wife hates it. I'm not sorry. My wife. My wife loves it. I'm the one who hates it. I, I just. I can't abide by it. No. It's yeah, I'm, no. I'm down. But I want to uh, say on that uh, map, 
who brings salad to Thanksgiving or who has squash? Like, what are what is with that? Allegedly, all of the Northeast loves, is obsessed with squash. All of the uh, all of the West, the Western states <laughs> love a salad. Like who? So I'm gonna guess that Oregon I don't, my, and Washington look, my, are like tipping the tipping the balance on my, my sister-in-law states. is vegan. And not all, and she doesn't even have like salad as like the main Thanksgiving it, side. It doesn't surprise me though, because you know what the worst pizza is in the world is California style pizza. I wasn't even aware that there was California style pizza. Yeah, if there's um, there's some chain. I think it's kind of been going under that used to be here, and that it's just like a salad on a pizza. It's not good. Mm. No, it's not. Let's not do that. Um, Yeah. So, remember, uh, get out there, get your collar and elbow stuff, cheer for Epico, and enjoy Thanksgiving. I'm going to go ahead and move us on into the the content for the wrestling podcast. And uh, we had some big events happen here recently. I'm going to start with the premiere. And unfortunately, I'm going to kind of leapfrog and take over because I haven't gotten to watch it yet. Um, it's It just kind of came at a really inopportune time. Well, unless you guys... Did either of you guys get to really dig into it? The what? The takeover, NXT. No, because I, I was busy all weekend and I um I just didn't have the time to actually dig into any of this stuff. Same, so I yeah, I was out of town, so I uh, did not get back until uh, Sunday evening, and I actually have not even had a chance to watch Survivor Series yet. So, I don't All even right. think um, I don't even think I've heard anything about NXT if it was good or. <laughs> well, they whatever. they took the roof of the the War Games cage off to enable Ricochet to do a double rotation moonsault. So, okay, there's some war- stuff that happened. It's not War Games if there's. Not a rough on the. I think Cody agrees with you. I fully agree, but at, I will say to their credit, um, they actually did something which, if you're going to do that, it made sense. They they put a stipulation where it said if you tried to escape the cage, then your team immediately was disqualified and you lost the match. Which I mean, I, I, I the. The, the roof needs to be on it. That's the true war games. But if you're going to mm-hmm. pull that sort of thing so you can allow Ricochet to do a double moonsault, um, okay, at least they did logically make it consistent where, like, you can't escape. Like, there is no escape from the war games. So that, I appreciated that at least. You know what kind yeah. of shocks me is how no one has ever been able to recapture the magic of the original war games. It's just... There's just something visceral missing, isn't it? I think it's because no one's willing to do the double ring. Uh, I would love that they brought the double ring back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's like a larger argument you can make where, I mean, that old, like, southern style, like, it, it kind of lends itself to the whole, like, blood feud aspect of war games. Because that was the whole concept of buying war games. It's like two teams of people who absolutely just hate each other and they cannot resolve their differences other than this extraordinarily brutal match. Right. This, it's kind of meant to be the be all end all. Yeah. To put an end to it. Um, well, so 
we had a, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, we don't, we're not going to have much in the way of thoughts to take over for you, unfortunately. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to the event prior to that. Uh, this was an up, up, down, down event <laughs> where uh, Team WWE took on Team NXT in League of Legends, which is, I believe, the most played game in the world right now. It is a uh, multiplayer online battle arena game, and it is the most watched, well, it was, now there's some, depending on fluctuations, the most watched eSport in the world. They just had their world championships, and so they held this showdown (coughs) between the two teams at the um, League Championship Series studio in Los Angeles. So, you had... um, Let me see. Let me get the let me get the teams. The the teams were led by um, two. Uh, well, the WWE team was led by a retired pro who became a streamer. He uh, they, whose handle is I'm a cutie pie. And the NXT team was led by a streaming personality um, who named Tyler One. So you had um, Team NXT versus Team WWE. Let's see. Team WWE was Ruby Riot, Cesaro, Rollins, and Tyler Breeze. NXT was Gargano, Dakota Kai, Shayna Baszler, and Adam Cole with Cutie Pie and Tyler One also playing, playing the support position. And um, Team WWE got wrecked. Because Seth Rollins was a greedy feeder, like he was. The, not only was did Seth play like crap, but he played Timo, who the little rat has a global taunt. Everybody hates that stupid little rat with his little poison blow darts and his invisibility and his stupid, stupid toxic traps. And don't think that this is coming from a place of bitterness. Because it's coming from a place of eight years of bitterness. Because I've been playing this game since season one. But, yeah, he uh, totally got wrecked. And so, basically, Team NXT just ran all over him. Cesaro was kind of the the high point for the team. But yeah, there's only so much you can do. So, congratulations, guys. You gave Tyler one a win. And now Team NXT has that over you. Good job. And then we went into Survivor Series. <laughs> so I didn't, re- <laughs> I didn't realize when SmackDown goes to Fridays that some of these shows are going to literally have a show Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. That's going to be insane. Yeah. Well, I guess it's no different than having one Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday right now. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is they're, they're already doing that. It's just a question of how does it... Uh... You know, how does it, um, what, where's the fourth day at, or where's the first day at? <clears throat> so, we had Survivor Series. It kicked off on the pre-show with uh, Team SmackDown, which is, it's basically the tag teams of both shows in a 10-on-10 Survivor Series elimination match. So, Team SmackDown was the Usos, New Day, Sanity, uh, the Club, and the uh, Colognes. <clears throat> being managed by Kofi and Alexander Wolf, 
versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, The Revival, The B-Team, The Lucha House Party, and The Ascension. This match went for about 22 minutes. I, I've heard that it was... It, I didn't get to see the pre-show, but I've heard this was a lot of fun to watch because there was lots of wild flying around stuff. <clears throat> and Team SmackDown won the pre-show match, which we alluded to earlier. Somehow they're not the, counting it, yeah. Yes, the announcers said for the rest of the night that since it was on the pre-show, it didn't count. But it it, it was on the show, though. <laughs> oh, when we get to the end, I'll tell you why they're saying that. Because I found out. Because Baron Corbin gets to be, like, the commissioner or something, right? Well, it's not set in stone yet. That There's a there's a, there's a a payoff on that. But we'll, we'll get to that. Remind me when we get to the end, and we'll, we'll get to that. Then the the main show starts, and it's the women's five on five Survivor Series match. So Team Raw is Mickey James, Nijax, Tamina, Bailey, and Sasha being managed by Alexa Bliss versus Naomi, Carmella, Sonya Deville, Asuka, and Mandy Rose. And uh, wasn't it? I know Ruby Riot and who else were supposed to be on the uh, Raw women's team, and then they were thrown off uh, by Alexa. In the pre-show uh, or right before this match? I'm not... Yeah, there were two of them. It was... Um, I guess it was Ruby and... Another member of the Riot Squad, I guess. I'm not sure. But that put Bailey and Sasha on. Yeah. Um, Which allegedly was like the plan all along. Wait, then why not do that? It, who knows? Because you don't get to bury people that way. You don't get to bury your awesome, like, potentially you could build a division around heel team. Yeah. Well, Team Raw was reacting to the, the women's invasion angle uh, of the Team of SmackDown. So you look at it and you would think Team SmackDown's got the unit cohesion thing going on, right? Well, I'll go ahead and give you the um, the breakdown of eliminations. Uh, Tamina super kicked Naomi to eliminate early on. Did she manage to injure her? Not that I've heard. Um, but that happened so quick, it was kind of like, why are you taking one of the more popular people out of this so early? Then um, Carmella does a school girl on Tamina to eliminate her. Um, let's see, DeVille, uh, pin Mickey James, uh, Bailey hit the Bailey to belly on Carmella for the elimination. Banks put the bank statement on Mandy Rose to eliminate her. Mm -hmm. Um, Bailey and DeVille brawled on the outside to a 10 count to double eliminate them. So clearly they were kind of protecting... Really, they're kind of protecting both because I think, I think well, they, they want to obviously keep Bailey protected, even though they're doing Jack, Jack with her. Yeah, <laughs> you know? um, but allegedly, like the the idea was to keep her and Sasha both uh, protected. And Why I think, they don't? They... Uh, who knows? I think I think they maybe eventually plan to do something with her down the yeah, road. I, who knows? That'd be that, yeah, that'd be mighty kind of them to do. Uh, and now to uh, tell you, the, in so, watching I, these two brawl on the outside, they threw down, and so they're 
um, like Deville whips Bailey into the into the barricade at like the eight count, and Bailey staggers off into her and does something to put it. Like they're both trying to crawl back in the ring when it's counted out, but they'd been beating the fire out of each other. So it, I was kind of looking at him like, uh, that's an odd choice, but okay. And then Oscar um, tapped out Banks with the Oscar lock after. Like, Asuka had been just running around going crazy on people whenever she was tagged in in this match, which was nice to see the return to form. But um, Banks is is trying to get up on Asuka, and she goes to the top to do something. By the way, Nia Jax had nuclear heat as soon as she walked out. People are pissed at Nia Yeah, because she punched... punched, She injured one of the most over people in the in the company. Yeah, because she punched her in the face with like out even without even trying to not injure her. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into that a little bit later, because what happened with the the Rousey Charlotte match like that? I I have thoughts. But yeah, yeah. she Nia did have nuclear heat, which in in a more perfect world, they she would face some sort of it's it's rough to say punishment but she would face some sort of punishment because she did intend she injured someone which you could argue it wasn't intentional but she this is not the first person she's injured it's not and the second person no and, and yeah. there have been people including uh i don't know brian alvarez of oh he was rest, pissed wrestling observer yeah because he brian has uh for those who have never who don't know about brian like brian like legit has wrestled in his t- time he's been wrestling for years and years he's not obviously like a big name or anything but he's wrestled for years and the argument he was making that he's done this a lot he's he's had he alleges like a thousand matches he never injured anyone um yeah and not, he had a ahead. he had a feud with uh larry sweeney over like the texarkana title in shikara and like the um i remember that yeah 2000s mm-hmm. and i've met brian brian's actually a very nice guy uh but he made the argument like look this, this is not the first person she's injured she's actually injured multiple people at this point maybe you should send her back to developmental so she can actually learn a little more before she actually goes out there and hurts someone yet again yeah uh, but i think what they're trying to do is they're trying to use that heat to you know uh i guess they're trying to take it not let like this tragedy go to waste but push her as like the main heel on the raw side and i mean i guess they're planning to have her versus ronda i think at the next pay-per-view which is confusing because since when does this company strike when the iron is hot well hey they had to they had to take advantage of that uh roman reigns leukemia angle to get uh dean ambrose to turn heel that's also true. Well, according to this most recent Raw, uh, Roman deserved his leukemia. Uh, Whoa. As, as per Dean Ambrose, uh, Dean Ambrose made some sort of allusion to that. I don't. So can I? Can I, I, dig- can yeah, I digress? Please digress. Okay, so um, we're supposed to do it this week, but Survivor Series kind of like got in the way. Um, but. You know, when November when we watched November to remember, I was really struck by the opening angle on that and how how human that whole angle they did with um, Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer was like how kind of it was like a raw human moment between the two of them. And I was thinking, wow, the WWE would never let this happen because they can't handle like something even remotely real because they have to kick into like stupid wrestling mode they can't even let like 
They can't even give people like five minutes to process Roman Reigns. Like, possibly. Like, that's the thing that pisses me off with the Roman Reigns thing. Like, he could die. There, that is a legit. There is, there is a legitimate chance that this could kill him, and they can't help themselves. They have to turn it into some stupid fake wrestling angle. It it's just this isn't quite on the level as that, but it go it, it like going back thirty something years. This is like when Fritz. Is, I'm really dating myself, and I didn't watch this live because I was uh, I was very young. But look when Fritz von Erich. Uh, Oh god! Now I'm forgetting the name of the wrestler. Who was the wrestler who who died of like a drug overdose? In Which one? Oh, David? David? No, no, no. It wasn't one. It wasn't one of the Von Erichs. It was one oh, of the. Oh, it um, was. Um, oh shit! I'd know this any other time. He teamed up with. Uh, he was in the dynamic duo. It was. Oh, Gino Hernandez. Yeah, Gino Hernandez. When Gino Hernandez died of a legitimate drug overdose. Uh, or if you believe uh, Billy Jack Haynes was murdered. <laughs> Billy Jack Haynes is a little crazy. But anyway, uh, Gino Hernandez is an understatement. Yeah. Gino Hernandez was a wrestler in world class back in the 80s in Texas. Uh, died of a drug overdose. And Fritz von Erich, who ran world class, literally used his death as an angle. Did he like blame it on the heels or something like that? It was, something cra- it was something crazy like that. And it's like, this is all sorts of messed up that you're using an actual death to get heat on uh, on your wrestlers. But it's it's kind of like that. They this You're right. Like this Roman very realistically could die from this. Like we obviously hope that that's not even remotely the case, that he has a long, long, long life with, uh, with his family. You know, ideally yeah. he can even come back to wrestling. But the, I mean... It's to show the gravity of the situation when you say like he could legitimately die from this. No, he could legitimately die, and that's that's off. That's like the worst case scenario. But even like a good case scenario is that he beats the cancer, but it's so taxing on his body that he just never comes back to wrestling. And like that's that itself would be huge. Yeah. So, yeah, like to to kind of get cheap heat off this, it's ridiculous. But but there we are. That's what they're doing. Incidentally, um, Sasha had gone to the top rope trying to do something. Nia shoved her off, which is how she got caught in the Oscar lot. And then Nia beat Oscar. So there we go. That's our first. Uh, that's our first match. Which it, the match itself was fine. Um, there's not anything technically wrong with it in in and of itself. Um, not really thrilled with the idea of, you know, the as we said, the way Nia seems to be getting, you know, getting promoted out of it. But nothing wrong with the match itself, and everybody did a pretty good job. Corey Graves, by the way, was <laughs> hilarious through this whole thing as a uh, <clears throat> as a big fan for Mandy Rose the whole time, and. Uh, I hate Corey Graves on women's match commentary. I thought he was hysterical. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty good match. Backstage, we had to have a segment with Stephanie McMahon and Baron Corbin talking to... um, Well, they didn't talk to Paige and Shane yet, but... Uh, Stephanie told Corbin that if Raw has a clean sweep, she'd consider making him the permanent general manager. 
As it turns out, Raw was supposed to win the pre-show match, too, even though the Raw Tag Division doesn't really match up to the SmackDown Tag Division. And yet, that means that there's Revival jobbed out again when they weren't supposed to, which just sounds like the most oddly appropriate thing in the world. But that's why they were ignoring it. Oh. Yeah, because it was supposed to be Raw wins that. It was supposed to be Raw wins everything for some godforsaken reason. Yeah, why did they... <laughs> this? So I didn't watch this show because I didn't have time, but when I looked at the results, it really jumped out to me, and I was like, huh, this kind of looks like SmackDown just got totally buried in the process of this. By the way, spoilers to everybody out there listening, but... Um, it, yeah, that's... That's what happened, is you what? had... Um, is is they were supposed to win the pre-show match, and somebody forgot. <laughs> How do you forget so, that? I don't know. So, I guess we can get into it now. Like, wh- why? Why did they? Why did they have Raw beat every everyone? The because superficially, superficially it just seems like that Vince McMahon is got involved and wanted to make it clear that one ba- one brand is like actually worth something and the other brand is just, you know, garbage, but this makes no sense especially since SmackDown is the brand that Fox is paying a billion dollars to put on yeah. its actual like primetime pro- programming a year from now or slightly less than a year from now. And I get that you can make the argument, well it's it's like months away like it doesn't matter, but it should matter, like from a logical standpoint. Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the concept behind having them just come out as chumps? Um, you would think I don't that, know. The theory think, I've heard. I'm sorry, Brad. Give me just a second. Okay. The theory I've heard is to after the the thing on Fox starts is to have SmackDown clean, clean sweep it next year. But why would you do that now whenever Fox might be like, hey, we're going to use that renegotiation clause in our contract. Go ahead. I was going to say, you'd think, you'd think with going to Fox, you want... You need to, like, you need to start shifting things in people's heads because you're going to need those ratings on Fox to keep that deal going. And... Um, Jobbing SmackDown out is not the way to get people to say, hey, I'm going to follow that to Friday on Fox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is how you get this is how you get shuffled off to FS1 in like the first six months of this deal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the thing that I have uh, <clears throat> incidentally after the open women's match, apparently, uh, let's see. From the source was PWI or PW Insider that um, Alexa Bliss went some, underwent some more medical tests in Los Angeles this past weekend, and there's no clear uh, timetable return for. Her. So they don't know exactly what's going to happen with her. That's... Can they just take her off TV? I don't need her like on my TV. You know, to give her a break while they sort out something they may want her to do would be fine. It, it, it's unfortunate to have somebody's career end like that, but I just she's that's where we are. She needs a break. I don't, you know, 
I know she's injured and everything, but just just take her off TV. Like, let her come back fresh. <clears throat> I don't know what'll happen. Um, but there we are, right? I would agree with you. <coughs> that's that, that's a smart thing to do, but... I think maybe I guess they they think that she they they I feel incorrectly think that she's such a necessary component to the show that we need to still have her. Yeah, it's um, I don't know what they're going for. The next match on the card was Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins versus United States Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Um. I don't know why the card was structured this way, with the women's match being the first match on the the, the show proper, because usually you want that to be the big like, get people hyped up match. But I guess they thought that's what it would be. Um, Rollins and Nakamura had a match, which was I mean technically they didn't do anything wrong, but there just seemed to be a, there was a little spark missing in it, like. There was there there was something missing and couldn't quite put your finger on it. Seth's been a little off his game the last couple of months in general. Did you get to watch this one, Matt? No, unfortunately, I did not. Okay. I uh, I I, I just have issues. Like I I overall I, I'm a big fan of Nakamura. Like I don't I don't know what they're doing with him. I don't think they even know. I, I don't. Like, they know that Nakamura is a quality talent. They know he's popular, so they don't want to let him just sit around. So they put the U.S. title on him, but then they still haven't done anything with him. That's that's crazy. You're right. That's a good point, because he's, he's a champion, and yet they're not really doing much with him. Yeah, it's, I know. It speaks a lot to uh, what they're doing with him that I had to look up like two or three weeks ago who the US champion was. Yeah, they didn't have him on TV for like a month. Well they they uh they had him on the what that uh the Crown Jewel show that Did Where they? was that show where was that show again? Oh uh, but no, he was in we uh, have to go back to our geopolitical episode for that. Yeah. He uh he was on like a he was like a dark match, right? I don't think they even aired that. I don't think it was on like a pre show. Yeah. And they had him win against Rusev, so it was a successful title defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't see that. So right. Right. it's I like mean, it exists in a vacuum, basically. I know we have to talk about it at some point, but man, can you imagine having someone as over as Rusev and doing as as little as they have done with him in the last year? Well, it again goes to that they he didn't get over because they wanted him to get over. He got over on his own, and he didn't fit in with the plan. So they have to instead of actually utilizing that and seeing where it goes and seeing how much money they can make off of him, uh, giving him a push because people are into him. They just uh, try and smother it. Yeah. <clears throat> so we had a. Uh... We've got some guys sitting around not doing anything, and it's a shame because they were white hot. Don't know what's happening there. But Rollins wins. Um, and like I said, th- there was nothing wrong with the match. There was just there was a spark that wasn't there. And uh, that's unfortunate. 
after that was Raw Tag Team Champions, the Authors of Pain, with Drake Maverick facing the bar with Big Show. <clears throat> the most notable thing I can say about this match is is the finish on it. Um, have you guys seen what the finish on this was? I haven't watched one second of this show. Okay. Hey, you haven't heard what it is? That... All right. All right. L- listen to this noise. Oh, wait. I think I have heard, but please go ahead. Okay. So, at the at the end of the match, Sheamus hits a broke kick on uh, Rezar. But Maverick pulls his, pulls Rezar's foot on the rope uh, to break the, break the pin, right? So, Cesaro starts chasing him. And then Maverick runs into Big Show. So, Show grabs Maverick by the throat and, like, lifts him. And Maverick starts freaking out. And he's, like, on the apron, but Show's still got a hold of him. He's freaking out. And they have gimmicked it. Not real well, because it's it's not easy to see. But they have gimmicked it so that it looks like Drake Maverick pisses himself out of fear. In doing so... This allows a common Rezar to hit a powerbomb neckbreaker combo on Sheamus while Big Show is busy laughing to score the win, which means that the bar lost to the Authors of Pain because of Drake Maverick's urine. Yeah, they they were actually I, pushing they were pushing this further on on Raw, and it's it's so dumb, it's so stupid. No one cares about this. It just has to be one of those things that, like, Vince McMahon likes toilet humor. Well, I mean, Vince did that to himself with Austin once, but that was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You ever have that moment where you're on a podcast and you can't see anyone and you're just, like, looking awkwardly at the wall because you don't want to make eye contact with anyone? <laughs> yeah. That's that's what this conversation is right now. <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. Um so can I interject? Like I saw a clip from Raw where – so on Raw, they had a big thing where it's like a Drake Maverick is back in catering or something like that. And like all the uh, – basically all like the – to my opinion, all the jobber um, Raw guys like Rhino and uh, Keith Slater, uh, they're all like backstage and they're like laughing and they're making like pee jokes about him. And it's like a whole big segment, and the whole point of the segment is for you to be laughing and making, and then, then making fun of Maverick because he pissed himself on the pay per view. And they this went like a few minutes, and it's like there there was no point other than this, this really lame joke that's not funny, and yet they keep pushing it. And it's like this, I'm sorry, but this is such like a microcosm of what they obsess. They like the little things like this they obsess <laughs> over in the booking. Like, oh, you got to make sure, like, we spend several minutes on this joke that no one is finding funny. And yet they waste so much. They waste. This is literally time that they're wasting that you could be seeing, like, a match. or They could be building someone up. You could get a Bailey match. You could get a Sasha match. You can get something like that. But no, we need to spend a few minutes hammering home this point that Drake Maverick pissed himself on a pay-per-view. It's a joke that literally, like, one person in the back probably finds funny and no one else cares about. Could you imagine? Could you imagine having someone? Could you imagine having someone on your roster with as much personality and as charismatic as Drake Maverick, and this is what you do with them? 
if you have a whole roster full of talented, charismatic people, then what do you care? You can always get somebody else. Which is I, I, why I think they need competition in the worst way. True. Uh, but I'm, I am with you, Brad. It's like, and imagine if you are one of those people who you don't, you don't even like sniff raw most of the time. Like when was the last time we saw Rhino or Heath Slater on raw? Like mm-hmm. if, if they're on there, they're get they're losing in like 30 seconds to authors of pain or somebody. Like oh, I wasn't even going to give them that. They're usually like the background of like, we're standing there as Stephanie berates the whole roster. Yeah. It's something like that. And they uh, have to get, they have to get geared up for that. Like they have to get in full gimmick for it too. Which I mean, I guess they're like, well, I'm cashing a paycheck. What does it matter? Maybe that's the attitude you have. But imagine, like, if you care about what you're doing for a living, you care about wrestling, and you, someone goes to you like, oh yeah, you're going to be on Raw, and you, maybe you get excited, maybe you like look forward to it, and then like, okay, great, what am I doing? Am I having a match? Like, am I going to face the tag team champions or something? It's like, no, you're going to be in this segment where your job is to make pee jokes. About this person. Can, and it's like, I mean, yeah, I guess you're cash, cash in a paycheck, but is this literally like the best use of your talent? I would I would literally rather have those segments back of like Rhino and Heath Slater hanging out in his trailer mm-hmm. and just being stupid than anything they do now. Or like when, when he was talking to Daniel Bryan, he's like, you can borrow one of my kids if you want to see what being a parent's like. <laughs> or, or him talking about his life and Rhino sitting there making frowny faces with the cheese whiz. Like, oh, those were great, by the way, when they did that on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. And of course, they do nothing with them now. Well, we um, had this whole thing happen. <sighs> it, and, and, like you were saying, to have this have this happen in a time when you could be doing something with somebody else. The thing that, that gets me is what what does it accomplish? What's the goal? Like if you're going to burn TV time on something, there should be a goal, right? Um, all this does are, are they trying to get the crowds to to hate Drake Maverick more? Because being a Weasley manager I'll already do that. What's what's the goal here? What's the point? Don't you remember back in like the 2000s, they'd do this, they'd get some joke in their head that they thought was hilarious and they would just beat it to death and no one found it amusing whatsoever. Like the ass cream with Jericho and Christian. I had kind of forgotten about that. There's another one that they thought was absolutely hilarious and beat it to death over and over again. And I can't remember it. Maybe I'm just thinking about the triple H honk when, um, they did the Katie Vick stuff. They're very good about beating things into the ground (laughs) just in general, but yeah, that's true. That's very true. Ooh. Well, so I can't we've, believe uh, I can't believe they 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 did they they did a follow up to someone peeing themselves. Yeah, that's. I mean, as a one off spot for a finish, 
uh, yeah, I guess. But I don't know. Here we are, just kind of. Well, anyway, <clears throat> we have um, this whole uh, this whole thing happen, and the AOP wins. So Bra's lead increases. This goes into the non-interpromotional match. Believe it or not, a 205 Live match, the Cruiserweight Championship match, was on the pay-per-view right in the middle. And it was pretty good. Um, Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. It was a pretty good match. Mustafa's really good. He is really good. Um, I'm glad that these guys got the time because, I mean, wow, they really just... They've really made no one care about 205, which is really sad because two years ago when they were doing the whole Cruiserweight Classic, I thought that this would be something that they would actually push. Uh, they kind of they kind of ruined it with Neville's like never-ending run of boringness. Yeah, yeah. Because they they had that really great segment with um, Davari and Gallagher, where they did that like gentleman thing. That gentleman's yeah. duel or whatever, like yeah, really early on on there, and that was my wife. My wife thought it was hilarious. They've done some good things with those guys. I think like Drew Gulak has done a lot of really good work in Two Hundred Five Live. I do like Jack Gallagher. No Mustafa one died, Ali, even though he's hurt. Yeah, Mustafa Ali is like fantastic. Uh, so I'm glad these guys got. The, the opportunity but it's to me like as a booking decision it's a little curious that they put this on the main roster and they leave the smack the whole like raw versus smackdown tag team match as the pre-show so it was yeah and it like i said it was a good match it was fun to watch the guys worked hard and they got more time than the than the previous match did was this to get them warmed up to like break their hearts when they had Joe get eliminated like twenty seconds into a match? I I was going to wait. Yeah, I was going to wait to talk about that because I was going to talk about the other big event um, that happened this evening. <clears throat> so I'm watching the match, and um, this this happened during the AOP bar match. Um, I'm watching this, and because. I don't know why, but I also had read it up while we're doing this. And someone eagle-eyed the fact that Enzo Amore was at the ringside area wearing a hoodie and a wig. Like, there's a shot. Someone got a shot of him, like, peeking out from behind somebody looking at the ring. Right? And then he stands up on his chair in the middle of it and starts dancing and trying to cut a promo supposedly to drum up publicity for his rap uh, concert the next night. Incidentally, that drew a grand total of 50. That's five zero people. Wasn't there some incident with him on a plane this weekend, too? Yeah, he got kicked off because he wouldn't quit vaping. Yeah. <laughs> Which just... That, that just tells you so much about Enzo and that one thing, right? Um, can, can we also talk about that picture that was circulating of a big fat cast now? Oh. 
Yeah, uh, Big Cass uh, apparently is he's off been, the gas, folks. Yeah, he, well, no, he's off the gas, and he's he's enjoying the Bob Evans. <laughs> <laughs> the Bob Evans. <laughs> he's he's uh, enjoying all that sausage gravy. <laughs> That's an amazing call, that Matt. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he uh, he's been doing, I guess, the rounds on some of the indie shows, and uh, it's not looking in shape in any regard. I can't imagine if I was an indie promoter in good conscience giving him any money to perform on my show. I, there's there are pe- plenty of people who will book anyone who has remotely a name, I guess. I, I, will, I, I, I can understand other ones. Big cast, I can't. The thing that I have heard, uh, I watched an interview the other day, or part of the interview, not the whole thing. But it was um, Simon Grimm, and they asked him about him. Like, you know, do you get do you get booked more? Do you get a higher rate with, uh, you know, having been on TV? He says you do for about a year, and then that kind of drops off. So you know, Cass is, I guess, trying to ride that train for as long as it'll hold out. I think. Uh, I think that. <laughs> I think that depends, though, because I think like for. Simon Grimm and Cass, you have about a year, but if you're someone a little more, um, if you're someone that had a little more merit while you were there, I think you have a longer shelf life on the indie scene. Maybe. Well, I think like, I think like Ray Ray, like he's going to get a name his price for as long as he wants and still get bookings. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, something of a better talent. Like uh, I don't think Cody Rhodes is hurting for bookings no, that's or, true. or money. No, like, it's, and and he is actually that's a whole other like show we could do talking about him and some of the other Bullet Club guys. But he's uh, he's completely almost like reinvented himself and actually stepped up his his yeah, game. He yeah. actually he actually went from a guy who I had no interest in on the indie scene to being a guy that like I really enjoy his act this year. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's really kind of altered his like his trajectory himself, I think, too, though. Yeah, right. that is not a that's not big cast. Big cast couldn't even have a good match with uh, Daniel Bryan. No. So in uh, other bit of trivia for you guys on this, the security that took Enzo down was the same woman that stopped Gronkowski from hopping the rail <laughs> at that WrestleMania. So. Uh, the revolution continues, but she, she like, if unless I saw it wrong on the video, she mowed him down off that chair. I mean, he weighs what, like a buck twenty? Probably. <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, so it's it's amusing to see that uh, that continuity. <clears throat> we saw. Um, just, just for note, we saw Murphy beat uh, Ali to retain the title. Like I said, it was a good match. And then this went on to the the big thing, the five-on-five five Survivor Series match. This was preceded by a pretty... There were two uh, promos from the back for each team. So Team Raw had... You know, they're back there talking, and you, you get the squabble starting between... Braun and uh, Drew McIntyre and uh, Bobby Lashley. And in the middle of all this, R-Truth just kind of shows up because R-Truth thinks he's on the team too. And they're like, what are you, you're not even on the show. Get out of here. Then you go over to the SmackDown side 
and the Miz is talking about this this inspiring speech that he had prepared, but instead he was going to turn it over to the best in the world, Shane McMahon, to do his speech, which was it, <laughs> the way Miz sold it was funny, because then Shane starts talking about each guy and and the qualities they have. And then Miz starts repeating the last thing that Shane says in a louder voice to try and back him up, which was actually pretty amusing. And he goes down the whole line of people, and then he gets to R-Truth, and he goes, And R-Truth, what are you doing here? And Truth is like, I came to ask for a spot on SmackDown Live. And they're like, you're already on the show. He goes, oh, that's really good to hear. I was just over in the locker room, and it's a mess there. So, you know, Truth continues to be gold <clears throat> and so the match happens and Raw comes out first and it's all these massive dudes McIntyre and Strowman and Lashley and then Balor and Ziggler kind of there on the ends looking like you know bookends or something like that and Team Smackdown comes out and the last one to come out is Joe yeah Joe's the last one to come out and Joe has like the most Joe attitude in the world. He comes marching down the ring like he he's not he's not gonna take crap off of anybody. They go into the corners, he rolls in there, he takes his towel and flings it in Braun's face and immediately starts egging him on, like, come on, come and get me. In this like super Samoa Joe moment. It was awesome to see. And then, you know, they're gonna start the match and Braun and McIntyre argue who's about who's gonna start and Braun like McIntyre steps through the rope and Braun's stand there and then McIntyre tags himself in and they start arguing with the other and then Joe runs up and puts the clutch on him. <clears throat> and there's about 45 seconds of Joe hooking the clutch and McIntyre trying to break it and then Joe reapplies it and stuff. <sighs> Until McIntyre runs him into the turnbuckle, Joe staggers back and then McIntyre hits the claymore and pins him immediately. We're not, not even like a minute into the match and you can feel the crowd deflate. They've done that like a lot this year where they've done those really brain dead. Like, was it, was it, was this like when they immediately took Daniel Bryan out of the WrestleMania match and the crowd just died? Um, I don't remember it well enough to tell you if that was a good parallel or not, but man, the, the crowd was hot. Joe's in there doing stuff. People are fired up for it. They eliminate him and it's just air out of a balloon, man. <laughs> So they have to spend the rest of the match getting the crowd back into it. And it takes the rest of the match to get the crowd back into it. Um, so they're doing this whole thing. <clears throat> and uh, all this... the Like, Strowman and McIntyre start fighting with each other. Like, they're getting on each other's nerves and they start scrapping. Then all of a sudden, Team SmackDown, like, mows over the other guys on the team and jumps on the two of them and just beats the crap out of them. In this really cool moment, because you have these contrasts, right? The Raw team has all this infighting. Team SmackDown's working together, and it's it's working, right? And then they take Braun, and they put him on the announce table, and Shane does his flying elbow drop just exactly the same way he did it to test all those decades ago, and, you know, drops that on him, and so Braun and Shane are down for a while. Why Braun is down for a while, I don't know. He was down longer than he was whenever Roman ran the ambulance into the the semi-trailer, but... We gotta sell for the owner's son. 
yeah, for the best in the world, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it continues on, and you get to see some cool stuff. Um, you know, Mysterio eliminates Balor after Mysterio and Balor both get to do some cool stuff. They set up Ziggler and have Shane. Like, this was a really fun part of the the match was to see the Miz acting as the field captain. So they're running around doing stuff. <clears throat> and then they get, um, they get Ziggler down and they drag Shane up and they're like, no, 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 you got to do the thing. You got to do the thing. And Miz runs around and holds Ziggler by the chin for Shane to do the, the van Terminator. Right. And he flies over there and he does that and they eliminate Ziggler. And it's this cool thing. <clears throat> and then, they go in, and they they whip up on Lashley, and they get him set up. And then Miz points to Shane, and they're like, no, 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 you need to do another one. And Shane looks up, and he's like, what? What are you? Huh? It looks like he's, you know, he's just barely upright, and he looks at Miz with these big eyes like, you want me to do what? But Miz is like, no, 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 we got him, we got him, we got him. And so he goes to do it, and he jumps off the rope. And Braun Strowman, just like a grizzly bear, swats him out of the air. And I laughed probably more than I should have. And then Braun, Braun's going to Braun and eliminates Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio, and The Miz. Just pretty much in succession. Can I say, like, with their refusal to give Braun the belt, like this, him killing everyone is just getting tedious at this point. They're they're running the risk of doing exactly what they've done to Roman with him, where yeah. it's they have him constantly facing against Lesnar, and then it's just like months upon months of jerking around where he he doesn't win, and but he kills everyone else. Yeah, and then yeah. It, and then like you you start to get frustrated, and as a fan, you start you stop caring. And they did that with Roman. Yeah, it seems like they, now that Roman's out of the picture for an indir- in, like indefinite uh, point of time, they're just slotting him into that same spot, which it's like, well, you're not even putting the title on him, but you're going to have him lose to Lesnar. I don't know why. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and realistically, they did a the next day they did an injury angle, so it seems like Braun actually is legitimately injured. But yeah, they, maybe if they always knew he was going to be out for a bit to get surgery, then. That makes sense as to why they didn't put the title on him, but there's no point in kind of like presenting him to, both as strong and as like a chump who can't beat Lesnar. Like that's it's stupid. It is. It creates this hierarchy. You bury the entire roster. Yeah. Yeah. It creates this hierarchy because if you're feeding everyone to, in this case, Braun, if you're feeding everything to Braun, but then. Braun can't beat Brock, then you have everybody else, Braun, Brock. So why why do we care? Because obviously nobody else can challenge them. And it, it doesn't it just hurts everybody else. And then at the end of it, Shane's the only one left, and so myself and some other people were like, Oh great, now we're gonna see Super Shane. And Braun's standing there looking at him, and McIntyre and Lashley are on the apron, and Shane kind of looks up, and he does the bring-it-on gesture like he did The Undertaker. So Braun just kind of shrugs and drives him into the mat for the win, which I didn't expect. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and then after the, after the match, Corbin jumps Strowman because I guess <laughs> Corbin's and, dumb. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because Corbin and Strowman are still having this beef. Which is apparently carrying forward. The idea is supposed to be that Corbin and Strowman will have a match at TLC if Strowman's back in time. If Braun wins, he gets a shot at Brock. If Corbin loses, then he is not the permanent Raw GM. So it's a heads I win, tails you lose. Which, gee, I wonder what's going to happen, right? Whenever they set it up like that, they're not exactly subtle. Um, they also announced that um, it'll be Rollins v. Ambrose for the Intercontinental title at TLC. They didn't mention if it was going to be a gimmick match or not. They just said it was going to be a title match. <clears throat> so there you go. Now, we're getting ready to get into one of the two, uh, honestly, really good reasons to see this show, or the two things to see from this show. Um, the semi-main was uh, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. And am I the only one that saw this? I saw. I looked up. I think the the end, like the end part. Yeah. Okay, so they have this, and it's <clears throat> it's weird because like the start of the match doesn't click at all. Like it doesn't. It's not. It's it. You know when you see a little kid trying to take the star piece and put it through the star hole on the board, but he's got it turned just right so nothing lines up, and he knows it's supposed to go in there, but it doesn't? So that was uh, first first few minutes of this match. And then they they kind of got a feel for each other, and it, it really got moving. So you got this thing where Ronda keeps trying to go into the arm bar, but Charlotte's so tall that she keeps being able to, to hit the ropes and break it or roll out or something like that. And then Charlotte's trying to, to hook Rhonda up in the figure four and Rhonda keeps scrapping her way out. Like there's this, this story where they're not quite getting up on either one of them, which, okay, that's, that's a good story. Right. And then Charlotte rolls out and Rhonda's all pissed and she rolls out and Rhonda start takes off around the ring, comes around the corner and Charlotte just busts her in the gut with a kendo stick. So, you know, Ronda wins by DQ, but Charlotte goes full-on crazy flare and unloads on Ronda. Just goes crazy on her. Like, Ronda had welts all over her. Like, she, she earned her stripes for this one. And then Charlotte's getting ready to leave. <clears throat> And there was where she'd thrown a chair in the ring and the ref wouldn't let her do anything. <clears throat> Charlotte actually, you know, she goes to leave. Then she runs in where Rhonda is and does the natural selection to put Rhonda face first into the chair, which was also really well set up. I didn't see that coming at all, but they did it really well. And then Charlotte took the chair, put it around Rhonda's neck, and pillmaned her with it. So... Full-on crazy flair legacy is in effect. 
I heard that this got like a gigantic pop. Yeah, it people went nuts for Charlotte doing this. Um and there were there were people the, the crowd was chanting thank you Charlotte, which confused me because I thought Rhonda was over, like in a good way. There's a tenuous thing with with uh, Rhonda. So I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Like, I think she is like people do like Rhonda and I, I think she's over, but the problem I have with this is that clearly like this, this whole, this whole finish, this whole, like going crazy on, uh, on Rhonda getting disqualified, just like basically savaging her. Clearly this was the planned finish where it was going to be Becky. Cause that's, I mean, that's Becky's gimmick right now. Like, she's the man, and she's, like, running roughshod over everyone. So they just slotted Charlotte into this, which I'm concerned about because I'm way I'm way into, like, the whole Becky mega push, her becoming over. Like, I, I was talking with a friend over the weekend about Becky, and I don't think I'm out of bounds in saying she's probably the hottest act they have in the company, and if they play their cards right, she legitimately could be one of, if not the biggest match at Mania next year, like her versus Ronda or whatever match she's in. Like she's, they really had the chance to make her this huge breakout star. And my concern is that for however long she's injured until she can return to competition, they're just going to substitute Charlotte in there. But I think because all along they, they favor Charlotte over her. I mean, how, how many weeks are we into them still trying to push Becky as this heel? even though that's not what anyone wants. Um, I'm afraid they're just going to try and and give Charlotte that push. And nothing against Charlotte, but I think Becky is better served in that position. And I'm It doesn't that, fit Charlotte the same way it does Becky either. Yeah, and I'm afraid they're actually going to do something where they're going to push like a three-way at Mania, wherever down the line. And I... I well, I think that could be good. I also think that that's, that would be a disservice to Becky, too, because I think it should the focus should be on Ronda versus Becky if they're actually planning that for Mania, which is, I think is what like conceptually is the idea. At least we're obviously like six months out or close to six months out, so things could change, but that's like the idea. But I, I, I don't know. Like I, I understand what they did here, um, but I kind of am, I have, I have con- some concerns with where they could be going in the future with how they're booking things. And I, I just don't want them to kind of trounce on Becky's push. And the other thing I would say to this is that the reason I think why people were not giving them the reaction that they thought what they were going to get, because obviously they were trying to present this as like this big heel turn and people would boo Charlotte for being such a heel against Rhonda. But when you're in an environment as as the modern product is where people are so fed up. I think at least the, the fans who go to the shows, the fans who watch every week when they're so tired of the same predictable things and the same, like tired, like force fed things that were, were, were given as a product when anything kind of exciting and new comes along, I think people jump on that. And here, like, even though, again, I think that this was kind of what they were going to do with Becky in this role. Charlotte going out there and brutalizing Rhonda was something that was actually like fresh and compelling. And so I think that's why people had the reaction they did. 
I could something see different. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It, it's when you say it that way, it's pretty obvious that they just kind of tape Charlotte's name over mm-hmm. Becky's thing. But the other thing that that strikes me is if they were where she like pilmanized on on Rhonda's neck is if they do that as a way to like buy some time, they could actually get the title off of Rhonda. Not like I think this is going to happen, but it it's feasible. They could take the title off of Rhonda, have her re-earn it, and then be squaring up for a return at Mania. So she's got an arc going until it's Mania season, and then finally goes in and it's like, by the way, Becky, you and I have unfinished business. But, you know. That could work, and logically that would make sense, but I guess personally... I don't view Becky as the heel, so I feel yeah, like no. it, it'd be weird because you would have Ronda, who would be ostensibly a face, going up against or challenging Becky for the title at Mania. That would be a really easy way to have Ronda get to turn the crowd on Ronda in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It, it, it's. It could just be one of those matches where it's not, you don't have a clearly defined face or heel. You just have two people that are going to fight. That takes a measure of subtlety that they could maybe pull off. I think the problem you have to have, though, is um, you you have to be really careful with how you treat your golden children against the the people the crowd are attached to because it's been shown that when you put your golden children over the people the crowd really like, like a Daniel Bryan or a Becky, the crowd will hold a grudge for a really long time. I mean, the golden child thing goes way far. It goes, McIntyre's first run was, they even said the chosen one thing and it still didn't work. So, We'll we'll dig into that that specific thing. Um, I do want to hit the last match on this card, though. <clears throat> last match on the card was Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Um, Bryan was very much not smiley, good guy Daniel Bryan. He comes out, the music's playing, he holds up his fingers, he does one yes point, and then he drops his hand down and kind of smirks and just moseys on down to the ring. When Brock comes down, Brian's grinning at him. Like the the opening of the match before they start getting into it, Brian's just kind of like, he's taunting Lesnar. And then the match starts. And you, you start the Suplex City stuff, right? And he does that. And he does that. And Brian's laying there selling. To, and he keeps doing it, and you look on the outside, and Heyman's standing there with his hands over his mouth, like shocked, right? And so he finally picks him up and does an F5. And it goes one, two, and as soon as the ref counts two, Lesnar pulls him up. <clears throat> okay. Then Lesnar goes to F5 him again, except Brian's feet hit the ref. So Brian lands on his feet. And Lesnar's looking around. He's like, wait, that's not how this is supposed to happen. And Brian looks and see the ref is down and kicks Lesnar in the nuts. And all of a sudden, we are off to the races where we have these guys going back and forth. And we're not, th- I'm not talking like, 
Brian does some stuff and then Lesnar knocks him down. Like they're actually going back and forth. Um, Brian starts, you know, Brian hits a running knee, gets a two count. He starts target going after Lesnar's knee and like slamming it in the ring post. Um, Lesnar goes to try and F five Daniel again, but as he steps out to do the F five away from the ropes, his knee collapses. And as he goes down, Brian turns that into a yes lock that almost taps Lesnar out. And then Lesnar escapes it and Brian puts it as a triangle choke. Like this was, I'm convinced that Daniel Bryan set this whole thing up to first give you what you were expecting and then subvert it. Because I've seen people come close to beating Brock Lesnar, but I haven't seen him look this vulnerable for a while. Not since AJ Styles last year. Yeah, and it was really good. And here's the thing. Even at the end of the match, Lesnar is still putting him over because right in front of the camera, Lesnar's sitting on the apron because he doesn't want to put weight on his leg yet. And he says to Heyman, where did this come from? And so he, you know, even if it's not glaringly obvious, you know, he's still putting Brian over. Oh, and Lesnar had boot prints on his face from Brian stomping on his head. Like, this was... You you could believe that Daniel Bryan could win this match. It was, uh, it was really something to see. I find it interesting that the only guy Brock has put his working boots on for the last couple of years are mid-2000s indie darlings. <laughs> they know what they're doing, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't really complain that if the, the guys that Lesnar is going to respect and actually give a lot of offense or stuff to is uh, the quality of like AJ Styles or or Daniel Bryan. Like I, I didn't see this match, but I actually am excited to actually go back to this pay per view and watch this match if nothing else. Remember, there's even things he did during the Joe thing, like there was um. He gave off the distinct vibe that he was afraid of Joe during their feud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the last time I'd seen, I could think of, that I saw Brock look actually vulnerable in in a feud. He even did the same, like, purple face, oh my god, eyes, uh, when he was stuck in the S-lock. So. I kind of wondered, I was wondering today, actually, if I wonder if they did that out of nowhere title change to Daniel Bryan, because... Lesnar went to Vince and said, I want to match with, I want to, I want a match with him before I leave. I don't know. I know that, that Brian was the one pushing for the heel turn, but I don't know about, I haven't heard anything. Let's put it that way. It'd be such a mistake to turn Daniel Bryan heel. Well, they kind of already did. Yeah. He's basically supposed to be. Yeah. That's stupid. Why would you do that? I will say I feel like I have egg on my face because I think I commented uh, a podcast episode over two ago that they would not put the title back on him. I didn't think they would actually take that chance. But. I, think, I think we literally had this conversation like because we taped on like a Monday and they did the title change on a Tuesday. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm glad because Daniel Bryant is one of my favorites, so. I'm happy that he's got another reign um, forever. How long yeah, it lasts. Why do you have, why do you, why, why on SmackDown are your 
male and female champions being pushed as heels when no one's going to boo them. That's a fair point. Because, I mean, I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not as invested in him as other people, but, like, if Daniel Bryan came out and pushed an old lady down the entrance ramp, I'd be like, yes, like, she probably deserved it. Like, push her again. Are you saying that for you, Daniel Bryan is kind of like Tom Hanks punching a nun? I'm just saying, like, you I wonder don't feel what like, that nun did to Tom Hanks. I'm just saying, like, I don't feel like booing him, so, like, I don't know. I'm not gonna, you know. That's fair. And it was especially a, uh, lately when you when they 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 you know I I whatever I just I I just couldn't boo him. Yeah. It was a, um, but it was a really good match to watch. And, um, I, I, at the time I was really irritated with, you know, the standard Brock stuff. And then whenever the real match kicked in after it was over, I sat down and I went, wow, that gave me what I was expecting and then subverted it. And it totally drew me in it. I mean, hook, line and sinker. So if you had to rate this show a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, what would you give it? I'd give it a thumbs in the middle. Um, it's, I wouldn't say there's anything technically wrong with it. Uh, I don't, I don't really care for how they're doing some of the stuff, but I can also recognize that as a personal thing. Um, Rousey Flair is good. Lesnar Bryan is good. Uh, Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali is good. like, there's lots of good stuff. It just it, it doesn't have the spark that I would I would really want in a really good show, so I'd say right in the middle. So, I was thinking I haven't seen every show this year. I haven't seen this show in a couple others, but at this juncture for main card stuff, SummerSlam is probably my show of the year for 2018 for WWE. Mm-hmm. What do you think, I, Matt? Yeah, I haven't seen this show, um, and I haven't seen every pay-per-view, at least not to completion, but uh, that's a fair assessment. I would probably agree with that. I like that. I liked... Um, I think I liked Money in the Bank. What? Sorry. Um, Hell in the Cell, actually, I liked a lot. I think Fastlane was pretty good, wasn't it? Fastlane was pretty good. Summerset might be my favorite, though, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look, because there's a lot of of stuff to look through on that. The problem is you can can pretty much write Mania off as a crap show every year because it's not meant for wrestling fans anymore. Yeah, it doesn't... It kind of just seems to be this spectacle that takes place in, in like an Elseworlds book or in Hypertime or something. That's a good way to say it. it yeah. You, usually that's what upsets me with the WWE is there are years I come into like January really enjoying where they're going with the booking and then it all gets ruined because they have to go into mania mode. Yeah, it's their build starts what they feel like they need to start building towards, you know, bothers me. Yeah. So, um, we also have, uh, let's see. The the thing that struck me, at least for the current booking, because we talked about it with Braun, we've talked about it with Roman, 
the thing that I mean just really strikes me is Vince seems to be really hung up on the idea of having for lack of a better term a, a tent pole build it is one single guy who holds up the whole circus tent that everything else kind of goes on around and part of the problem is that sometimes stuff happens and you know Braun or not Braun but Roman got sick and he's gone and then Braun got hurt so Braun they say he may be back for TLC but they're pretty sure he's going to be back for the Rumble but you know what happens then and not only do they have this tent pole thing going on because let's be fair they did it with AJ too and as much as I love AJ they did it with him too it just so happens you know if I'm a fan of the guy it's a little bit harder to to uh, to see but it's like everything has to like all your chips are pushed on that one place and it to me that just seems like a bad way to do it um I think back to like the SmackDown 6 era where you had six guys who were rotating around that main event thing in different programs and different interactions. And so if something happened to one of them, you still had five other guys that you'd built to the same kind of level um, that you could you could rotate in as you needed to. I mean, it can work that way, though. I mean, New Japan had Okada on top for like... Well, how long was his last run? His last run was really long. But, I mean, that's kind of how Japan works. They have, like, their top guy. But they, they're they better about the way they do it. But the, the difference between WWE and, like, New Japan this year, and, and Matt will attest to this, is that, I mean, wins and losses really mean a lot more in New Japan. They do, yeah. Don't they also do more like multi-man stuff to to not? Uh, they do multi-mans like they they do tours and then like you have like your big show or two and then the shows between that to build to the big matches are mostly multis. Okay. And they'll usually do like they'll do like different variations of it. So like, let's say um, let's say Tanahashi. Well, Tanahashi's challenging Omega in Wrestle Kingdom. So probably this in December you'll see a lot of house shows with um, Omega and Tanahashi opposite each other and like elimination matches and you know six mans eight mans that sort of stuff. Well, the thing that gets me is that it had. It's bitten them um, at least twice now. So uh, it seems to me that they really need to shift how they're doing things. Because if they don't, you know, they're going to end up, you know, they're, they're going to end up not knowing which way is up again when, uh, you know, when, when something happens to somebody else. Maybe Braun's injury is worse than we thought, and we don't get him back in time for the Rumble. Then what do you do? 
with everyone you fed into him, with everyone they fed into Roman. What do you if you if you don't diversify your investments, you're asking for trouble. That's the way I see it anyway. That's how I see it too. Because the problem is, is like they don't. You do that, but then you don't rehab those guys you just totally buried. Mm-hmm. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. Like, I if 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 Braun is actually on the shelf for a while, like I don't know what they're going to do in the interim. Yeah, I guess the the person that they would probably go to is Seth Rollins, but they have him embroiled in a feud they can't exactly a feud that that it's completely unclear as to what the motive motivation behind the feud is but uh i don't know and they're not brave enough to like take a chance and like bring gargano and champa up and just have them feud on the main roster no they're also not brave enough to push even guys that are kind of flirting at least with the upper mid card like balor and actually <clears throat> push push him as they're not even willing to push. Yeah, Balor fits into this category too, and I guess so does Rollins. They're not even willing to push people who are previous champions. Balor, Rollins, here's my Hail Mary, Bray Wyatt. You know, they're, they're, it, it doesn't seem like they're willing to to do what they need to. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a company that isn't incompetent, and you have like. Lesnar come out on some random December show and then you hear the warm up to um to Aiden English doing the Rusev Day thing and Rusev coming out to challenge him at Royal Rumble. It would be and cool, like, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> but I'm saying like could you imagine the buzz that would get like all over the place just like coming out of left field with something like that? Yeah. That they won't do now? Yeah. Uh, it bothers me because I don't know uh, what they're afraid of. I mean, they're they're already bleeding uh, viewers, so why not try something different, right? I think it's apathy more than not knowing what to do. Well, all right. With all of that being said, this is we we've, we've talked about Survivor Series. We've talked about. Uh, WWE NXT League of Legends showdown. We've talked about our the way we look at the current booking stuff. So we're um, is there anything else we wanted to hit? Uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to reiterate the important um, the important political point we made today, which is fuck squash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely uh, co-sign on this uh, <laughs> position. Look, here's how, here's how bad the squash thing is in New England. They even call racquetball squash for reasons I can't figure out. So just 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 let it go, guys. Just just let it go. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Get better sides. I thought that would draw a bigger laugh than what I got, but anyway. I was I thought it was better to let it sit out there. For the, <laughs> For the important, impactful statement that it was. Oh, uh, that's okay. That's true. <clears throat> well, then, in which case, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. So this has been a uh, this has been another episode 
of the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad, and we want to say thank you all for joining us. Y'all have a good night and a happy Thanksgiving.